What is up, everyone? Give it up for a live Run Your Mouth podcast. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Here with Scott Hordum, we're going to dig in on some nerdy-ass Star Wars shit. So, to kickstart this party, we've all seen the Star Wars movies. I think, as a libertarian, one of the things that's so fascinating is you got this powerful Jedi, the most powerful and evil person, and how does he actually take over? It's through government. He doesn't go around with his lightsaber. He's not using his magical force powers. He knows that he can't fight everyone. He knows that even as the most powerful Sith Lord that's ever existed, the only way that he's going to actually be able to overtake and rule the galaxy is if he gets the government on his side. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at the Star Wars story as if he's the hero, and we're that's what we're going to do. And we're going to break down his plan, because if you've gone as deep as I have through the cartoons, it's interesting to see the little chess pieces that he played that he was able to successfully overtake the galaxy by pretending like he was the good guy and doing it through the force of government. Like, to me as a libertarian, it's a fascinating story into the power and evils of government when it becomes corrupted. Scott, you're being oddly quiet right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for my cue, buddy. You there let you me go. know. So I was I'll... just thinking, man, I hope he can get me to stop at certain points. <laughs> oh, you're getting all juiced up. Like, oh, I know so much about this. So, Scott, I hand it to you. Let's start from the very beginning of the Emperor Palpatine story, and let's lay out the chess pieces that he played to successfully become the emperor of the galaxy. Sure. Okay, so, I mean, forget the cartoons for the sake of argument. We can get back to that because there's some points I'd like to make about them too, but just, you've all seen episodes one, two, and three, so that's what we're talking about. This tastes like piss. I, I'm sorry. I have ADD also. That's not my problem. I don't know why I decided to buy a hard kombucha. I don't know why. I also don't know. I was in Whole Foods. I'm and not even sure what words you just said. <laughs> Would someone mind bringing me a Lone Star or something that's not piss? All right. Sorry. Scott. You I have no talking. idea. No, no. I rudely interrupted you to demand a beer from the audience. That's okay. Well, I got what Biden's got. I have no idea what I was about to Thank say. Thank you. So I'll just say a different oh. thing, I guess. Okay. So, I guess I could say about the prequels that they had their problems and a lot of us have our problems with them, but I would say especially now they're kind of redeemed because of how horrible the sequels are, and now at least with the prequels, at least they're true, right? Like, that's the actual documentary of the history of that galaxy as invented by what's-his-name and his friends. Yeah. Instead of just these kooks who made this crap that doesn't mean anything, right? So we completely reject and we'll never the speak movies. of them again. But I'm just saying <laughs> the prequels. I have kind of a new respect for the prequels because of how horrible the All later right, I gotta movies be were, honest but, about the prequels. Okay. Movie one, trash, absolute trash. Movies two and three, I acknowledge that if I sat down to watch them now, I might not like it. When I saw them, I enjoyed them a lot. Am I saying they're great films? No. But watching, like, I grew up religious, and so to watch someone violate religious doctrine and then see the way that that pulled him towards evil, I found to be fascinating. 
I thought some of the actual scenes, like the battle scenes, were very good. So I'm not saying, like, the scenes where he's sitting around and he's talking with uh, uh, Natalie Portman, that's all trash. And then you go back and you watch it and some of, like, the special effects are trash. But I'll be honest, I enjoyed movies two and three. I think, like, I thought those were good. I, I don't know good, I enjoyed those movies. Well, let me say a couple of things here. <laughs> I will right. never talk to you again. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Listen, I always had my problems with the prequels. Everybody did. Uh, there's lots of things wrong with them. Um, but, uh, well, and here should be the base knowledge for people. I don't know what people know about Star Wars. So let's start with the most important thing, which is that you should never watch the latest Blu-ray special edition, whatever the hell thing that it is, of the original trilogy. When you watch the original trilogy, you should go to the Pirate Bay and get the de-specialized editions, or like the silver screen edition, they call it and 77 4K or whatever. And this is where you get a high quality copy of the originals because all the special edition changes are all to the detriment of the story. Like there's nothing redeeming about the special edition stuff. You want what's special about the original trilogy of Star Wars. Watch the original versions as they came out in the first place. It's so much better. And I can see why some people are like, eh, I don't really like that crap. Cause there's a lot of crap. By the time you get to the Blu-ray, they just changed 10 things about it and made it suck. So anyway, there's that. Then when it comes to the prequels, what you should do is you should go to the Pirate Bay and you get the anti-cheese edit. Now, there's a hundred different people made a hundred different edits of the prequels, but this is the correct one. <laughs> the anti-cheese edit. And for example, what right. they did is they took Jar Jar Banks and they completely canceled his voice entirely. And they just gave him an alien language, jucha, 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 and then they put subtitles at the bottom. And so now he's like, follow me, I'll take you to my leader. And then that's it, and it's great. And then, and, and then they cut that out. They don't even show him take you to your leader. They skip five scenes ahead. And so all of the most offensively cringy, horrible crap in the prequels, almost all of it is on the cutting room floor, and you get to watch the rest. But then I would also say that you're kind of taking it in the wrong spirit too, Robbie, where you gotta understand that you're supposed to watch it sort of like a porno where you're like looking around the guy's dick at the girl, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's Jar Jar in it, but this is a documentary that explains how this guy Palpatine seized control of the Republic and turned it into an empire and turned this Jedi Knight hero so into this evil Dark Lord. You're saying you gotta ignore all the crap because it's building the story, which is a great story. That's the thing. You, so that's, and look, I'm a lot older than you. I'm 46, so when I was a little kid, all of, I mean, we knew, Lucas had said, I'm never making the prequels, forget it. I wanted to, but now I'm not going to, so don't even count on that. So all we had as little kids was these, these little scraps. Wow, you were in the Clone Wars? Yeah, of course I was in the Clone Wars, everybody knows that. And then they never speak of it again. And it's wow. And then, so yeah, then Jedi Knights somehow were betrayed and the Republic became the Empire, the dark times came. What the hell all exactly was going on there? They just, it's just world building, right? They just kind of put it there in the background that this is where we were back then and somehow we got here instead. And so, so now we're trying, now the story in the original trilogy is trying to fix what had gone wrong, right? You're born, you, the, the movie begins in the middle of a fight between the Empire and the Rebellion. So it's already on and they're already trying to fix so here's it. So the prequels are saying how we got here in the first place. Go ahead. A little Scott with OCD 
was like there were too many unanswered questions. <laughs> well, sometimes it was and like a like, rainy Saturday yeah. afternoon, and no, I'm I like, I want to know. And you're like, I don't even care if some of this is crap. At least I'm getting a few of these answers that I needed in my life. Yeah, look, and so the story always was that somehow the Jedi Knights had been betrayed and everything went to hell. So then, especially, again, if you watch it just as charitably as you can, just ignore Jar Jar Binks and watch the good part and just try to enjoy the politics of it as much as you can or whatever, then there's so much good stuff in there to answer your original question. In episode one, the guy arranges the invasion of his own planet in order to cause a crisis and to cause a sympathy vote to, to trick his, the lady he supposedly serves into calling for no confidence in the current prime minister and taking his place, <clears throat> right? Then in episode two, 10 years have gone by and now it's the Civil War and he's Abraham Lincoln trying to hold the Galactic Republic together. But General Lee slash Jefferson Davis is his secret apprentice and the whole war is a put on and the whole civil war is just essentially an excuse to fool the whole galaxy and particularly the Jedi Knights into taking this army of clones and conquering the whole galaxy in the name of liberating it from this evil secessionist movement and then as we see in episode three when the Republic wins the war, I guess it's just wait. There's a plane because Zoe lives under planes. <laughs> we're, at, we're under planes. So then by the end of episode three, we see that the Jedi have been played all along. And Yoda is the evil Sith Lord's greatest accomplice because he's put the Jedi Knights at the service of the Republic under the control of the enemy. So he's got the Jedi Knights spread throughout the galaxy with a hundred clones for every Jedi or whatever it is. So then when he snaps his fingers, it's like when the Pope betrayed the Knights Templar back in 1266 or whatever it was, where they're rounded up and killed all at the same time all across the region, right? And so that's the Order 66 and they're all stabbed in the back. And so then the Emperor is left with all the clones having militarized and occupied and taken over the entire galaxy, only now without the Jedi Knights to tell them what to do, now they're under his control. And so this was the part about episode two, and my friends, when I went and saw episode two, my friends didn't get it. At the end, the Jedi are all surrounded, Sam Jackson, and all the guys are standing there, they're surrounded by droids, and Count Dooku has the droids about to kill them all, and then Yoda comes, with the white armored clad stormtroopers. It's Yoda who brings the stormtroopers into battle to defeat the, and you know, if you want to be a conspirator about it or make the analogy, right? It's like the Saudis back in Al-Qaeda. So we got somebody to go and fight in order to spread our military might around the planet, turn the Republic into the empire. So before create we- Create the dark times. Let, let's go a little bit earlier. Uh, and this I'm not even familiar with, so you know, he's sithing around before he even enters into politics. At some mm-hmm. point, he realizes, I would have a better way, I, I would have a, 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 it would advance my goals of overtaking the galaxy to be working within the Republic, and then he manages to raise the ranks within the Republics. Now, none right. of this is in the movies. I wonder if you're familiar with the backstory yes. of how he transitioned from Sith to politician. Yeah. Well, even more important, well, first of all, is just what you just said there, that 
people should understand, I think people do, but it's important that the story is not that the empire came from without and took over and conquered the republic. It's that the republic became the empire through deception and war. They militarized, and this is what Lucas always said, was, you know, the world's lousy with tyrannies, and you can tell a story of a million different, you know, failed despotisms and kingdoms. What was interesting to him was democracies that became dictatorships, like in ancient Rome, like in Weimar Germany, like in the United States of America. And what happened was, and people forget this history because Nixon got run out of office, but after the absolute landslide in 1972, when Nixon completely creamed McGovern, they immediately, before Watergate began to take him down, they immediately started talking about, let's repeal the 22nd Amendment so that Nixon can stay in office and be president for life like Roosevelt to protect us from the commies or whatever it was. And that was what gave Lucas the idea that he wanted to write a story that was kind of a parable about America, the democracy, the limited republic under the Constitution, supposedly changing into this evil empire. And so it's ironic that in 1977, Star Wars IV kind of redeemed the American warfare state after Vietnam. We hadn't even had a couple of years to be ashamed of Vietnam yet. And now we're Luke Skywalker fighting World War II against the commies or some kind of thing again. And now it's okay. And it's not until 1983 that you find out that, no, we're the empire. And the Ewoks are the helpless Vietnamese who kick our ass anyway because they've got right on their side. And they destroy the technological, you know, corrupt, evil empire that, as Lucas made clear, was us. That was what the story was about. It wasn't about us fighting off the commies. It was about us becoming the commies or becoming fascists in the name of fighting the commies. And so when episode three came out, they accused him. They go, oh, you're trying to like somehow equate this to George W. Bush attacking Iraq. And he goes, no, man, when I wrote this story, we were backing Iraq against Iran. So don't give me that shit. All right. right. So, so now ask me yes. about Palpatine again. Okay. But that's the story. The Republic right. becomes the empire. That's us. That's why it's even worth telling the story in the first place. So you got the Sith Lord. He started off as a Jedi. At some point, he transitions to no, Sith. No, Palpatine's never a Sith Lord. Oh, wait, he was never a Sith Lord? Uh, no, no, so he was never a Jedi, I mean to say. Oh, I thought he was a Jedi. No, no, no. So here's right. the thing. So there's a, there's a book. You watched all the cartoons. I read the damn book. There you go. It's called Darth Plagueis. Yeah. What a nerd. And, and it, <laughs> it's, it's funny because Darth Plagueis is an international banker. And he's got like a Bohemian Grove Club. Right. And he's got like a Skull and Bones Committee and all of this stuff. It's hilarious. And um, he's the one who's the Sith Master who discovers Palpatine and discovers how powerful he is with the Sith. And he's basically like a spoiled, rotten brat of a political family on Naboo, uh, the planet that in episode one he's the senator from, right? And, um, and so then it's this international banker who grooms him, and then the whole idea is that they're gonna sort of be co-dictators together. And then of course, once Palpatine becomes the chancellor, he stabs his boss in the back and kills him, and then he has Darth Maul as his apprentice, and then after Maul is killed, he goes and grooms Dooku and then hires Dooku so to be... So it's a story of grooming and creaming. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of that in it. Uh, uh, people said I a think, lot of that about Anakin and Palpatine. It was like, this, this is kind of weird. I think it's worth, uh, as you describe, the Sith killing um, each other. They had the rule of two, right? which was uh, a strategy for kind of staying powerful, which maybe you can explain. Well, yeah, so there's a couple things there. Basically, the idea is they're all obsessed with evil and power in themselves, 
And so once the apprentice is powerful enough to kill his master, then he does. And that's sort of the natural order of things. But if there's three of them, then two weaker ones can kill the more powerful, better one. And that sucks because it like degrades the power of the actual Sith line. And they're all supposed to be in it for the greater plan, not just themselves in that sense. So that's one part of it. And, and then the other is just if there's ever three, two of them will always gang up on the third, whichever it is. So that just makes it a pain in the ass. So that's why they had decided at one point there would always just be two of them. All right, so Palpatine, how does he... So he was a senator, or he was a royal, like... Yeah, he was, like, part of the royal court, and then it's sort of this complicated thing where it's, in fact, even... It's the Sith that arrange it that Natalie Portman becomes the queen and arranges it that he becomes the senator. And then he essentially makes a bunch of promises to the Trade Federation. And so this is part of it, too. You talk about, you know, we're talking about libertarianism in Star Wars. So in, I think... You know, there's a lot more kind of a libertarian take on it. Maybe when Lucas originally came up with this stuff and maybe he grew up to be more of a Democrat. Like, I'm not exactly sure. But if you uh, look at the list of all of the separatist bad guys in um, the prequels, they're, first of all, they're all aliens. And part of that is that Palpatine is setting them up to scapegoat them to make it more like a human's first sort of fascist empire is sort of part of that. But also you notice that it's all the uh, Trade Federation and the, the Banking Guild and the Techno Union and all these things. And they make it, I think deliberately he's making it where you can see that this is all crony capitalism. And now maybe he's saying all big business is this corrupt and maybe it is. But essentially what happens is because these business interests only care about themselves and making money this Sith Lord can manipulate them and make them promises and use them to create this rift in the galaxy and ultimately a civil war. So by the time episode two begins, he's going, I promise I won't let this civil war happen when he's the one who rules both sides of it. And see, what kind of sucks too is, I mean, there's a lot of flaws in the prequels, but they, and I ain't no screenwriter, maybe Zoe could have helped them, but they really could have executed that whole thing about Palpatine is the one who's behind everything so much better. Like for just one example was when Anakin tells Sam Jackson, look, man, it's Palpatine. That's the Sith Lord. This is like the second unit director and like everybody's AWOL. Nobody knows what's going on. There's nothing but blue screens around. Sam Jackson doesn't understand the line. So Sam Jackson, it's not his fault, but he goes, a Sith Lord? But that's completely wrong. The whole thing is, the Chancellor is the Sith Lord? That's the fucking line, dude. They knew there was a Sith Lord. But now you're telling me it's the guy I've been working for this whole fucking time? And he's got me completely by the ball? Like, that's a real revelation. But he's like... Hearing there's a Sith Lord for the first time, even though the last movie ended with they know there's a Sith Lord somewhere, whatever kind of thing. So, but it was just, you know, through kind of sloppiness. And then when, when Kenobi comes and talks to Port, uh, Natalie Portman, I gotta find Anakin, he's turned to the dark side of the force, I gotta go kill him, you know, in episode three. And he goes, look, Palpatine's the bad guy, he's behind the war and everything. And this is, you know, the audience, even in the crowd, I could tell people still didn't get it. 
that this guy was the ruler. It was like, I don't know how you fucking write it. I'm no screenwriter. You could have explained it in a way where it's a revelation. If you didn't already get it, at least, there's a possibility that it can be a surprising and important revelation that, wow, Abraham Lincoln was like the secret Freemason master secretly controlling Jefferson Davis all along, and the whole thing was a goddamn put-on just to change the republic into the empire. Wow, that's pretty fucked up. And you can see why Sam Jackson would be pretty fucking upset to find that out. But they just didn't do it right. They just didn't tell the story. And even when Palpatine goes, yes, I'm the bad guy to Anakin, it's that whole scene just, I don't know, should have been done different and better to, to make it where you, if you didn't already get it that Palpatine's the one scheming all along, it ought to really hit you in the gut that like, oh shit, when they finally do reveal it, so, you know? There was a, um, I'm sure that there were other more minutia, but it was kind of a three like a three-part process of him overtaking government, and it's so true of the way governments are overtaken. Uh, but there was an episode in The Clone Wars, uh, which, like I said, I've watched all the cartoons. Um, but there was an episode in there where Palpatine takes over all of banking. And I thought that that was so interesting because basically in the Star Wars universe, there's like the equivalent of the Federal Reserve, and he knows that there's only one way that he's going to be able to go ahead and do this, and that's if he has the funding. And the only way that he's going to be able to get the funding is if he expands his powers that he can, like, basically print money. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because, I, I mean, I haven't seen this in years, but I remember when I watched the episode. Yeah. And, like, I, I think I was somewhat libertarian or, like, I was aware of financial stuff. And I was like, oh, that's such an interesting part of the story. Right. Because, like, if you're going to overtake a government and try and expand and then later <laughs> have a war and then fund your side of the war, you're going to have to overtake the money system and you're going to have to print money. And, like, their government structure originally protected against that, and then he took some sort of emergency. I forgot what the what the false threat was that <coughs> they ended up granting him that authority. But it but, was all a put-on, right? He was yes. in charge of whoever was causing the crisis so yes. that he had the excuse. In fact, this was in episode one. People might remember when uh, Liam Neeson goes to buy the new hyperdrive from Watto, the junk salesman. He tries to pay him in Republic credits. And he goes, oh, I don't take Republic credits. Gold, silver, Bitcoin only, pal. <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, you will take these credits. And he's like, we don't do inflationary money in these parts, homeboy. And it's, and I, I think that there must have been, that's not accident. Like, there must have been wisdom in Lucas doing that. That, look, this is what empires do, is they debase the currency. And you can ask Jonah Goldberg, the guy who killed a million Iraqis. He'll tell you, the former editor of the National Review, well, you can't have a gold standard. What if there's a war? Yeah, that's the point, dude. We don't want you to be able to have these wars. But the thing is, if there's a gold standard, that means they can't just expand the money supply as much as they want. Without a gold standard, they can and do. And that's, it helps to make the war seem free. And so that absolutely is a part of, not just he's financing it, but if you want to like get down to it, Palpatine doesn't have to raise your taxes, even though he's spending ten trillion dollars taking on the Onderon system or whatever the hell it is. Now, remind me about the NATO propaganda in, in the Clone Wars in a minute. But one of the things about the Clone Wars, for people not familiar, the Clone Wars cartoon series takes place between Episode Two and Episode Three. It's really what Episode Two should have been is the Clone Wars, but anyway, they screwed that up. But anyway, so it's the cartoon series, and what kind of sucks about it is. 
Well, one, it's a cheesy cartoon. Well, look, it's... It breaks down elements it, of the story, which is fascinating, because there were holes <coughs> between two and three. Yeah. So it was fun to fill it in, but it is a cheesy, shitty cartoon. Well, the thing is, and ultimately it is for kids, but I think, you know, well, to get to my point, is that it's like seven seasons long. Right. And it's only at the very end that the Republic becomes the Empire. When what they really should have done was shown this progression throughout the time, that even though we really like Obi-Wan and Anakin, and they seem to be like the very best special forces type guys or CIA type guys doing their missions and leading their troops, they keep doing the wrong thing. And the Jedi Council keeps asking them to do the wrong thing. And they're doing things like invading and occupying neutral planets because they need to control that hyperspace lane. And they did show this a few different times where different Jedi would use torture and be like, tell me and choke a guy or whatever, even though they're supposed to be the good guys. Well, they could have made a thing of that. Well, Sam Jackson says we're allowed to do enhanced interrogation to a certain degree and, and show that institutionalized. And they would have things where the Jedi would turn to the dark side of the Force and then immediately they'd switch sides in the war and go to the Separatists. But that shouldn't have been the story. The story should have been they'd turn to the dark side of the Force and then lead their clones in committing war crimes in the name of the Republic. As this is becoming the dark side. They are embracing, the Jedi Knights themselves are embracing the darkness. And then this is part of the story too about how by episode three, when Palpatine goes in front of the Senate and says, the Jedi tried to kill me and take over the galaxy, the people believe him. Because the Jedi have been doing some crazy shit lately and we don't really know what to believe. You know, they say that they're for the good, but they blew a whole fucking planet up set the thing on fire, whatever it was. And they should have shown, and, and instead what it was was like, all of a sudden in season seven, people are wearing Imperial uniforms and everything is trapezoidal and you go, oh, okay, I guess it's now it's the Empire. They really should have shown the Jedi, you know, and this is part of the story too, is that because the Jedi are using the dark side of the Force, it's making them deaf, blind, and stupid and they can't see how they're being used and what they're doing. So, in, you know, and in other words, by the time Palpatine pulls the trap of, of, um, of Order 66 and has them all stabbed in the back, by that time, they should have pretty much goddamn deserved it. You know what I mean? That should have been how it was set up. And then when he takes the power from them, people accept that because you know what? The Jedi Knights, they said that they were these heroes, but they hadn't been acting so heroic lately. And that makes the whole so there story wasn't a gel a better. a juxtaposition of good to highlight like the darkness of him. Yeah, and just the in time. It shouldn't have been right. such a blink of an eye thing. They should have done a better job. So now the NATO propaganda thing. So in season whatever the hell it was, I'm sorry, but it was in 2012-13, they did a three-episode arc, and this is where they introduced the character Saw Gerrera, who is, um, uh, help me out, uh, Forrest Whitaker in the movie Rogue One, is like him when he grew up old or whatever. They made it the same character. And this is where they introduced Saw Gerrera. And in this story, it is straight up that Saw Gerrera is Abu Muhammad al-Jolani, the leader of al-Nusra Front, al-Qaeda in Syria. Barack Obama and the Saudis and the Turks and the Israelis man in Syria leading the suicide bomber brigades against Bashar al-Assad. And it's a direct corollary. There's no question about it where they got the story and what's going on. And now in the story, the mean old Jedi Council won't let Barack Obama do a full-scale invasion. So instead, they have to only send Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker as CIA agents to infiltrate 
where they can provide training and some arms and supplies, but they can't quite get involved and intervene in the war outright, which is such a shame. But for whatever budgetary reasons or political compromise reasons, poor old Yoda can't do the right thing and let Obi-Wan and Anakin lead Al-Qaeda to victory against Bashar al-Assad and his Shiite Iranian friends. And that's the goddamn story. And then the thing is they told, this is the story of Star Wars about the Republic that becomes the Empire and embraces darkness and does all this bad shit. And yet they told that story with no irony at all. And the story was not about how, Jesus Christ, can you believe that Obi-Wan and Anakin are backing the fucking Al-Nusra front and they're calling it helping the good guys against the bad guy when you can see that the king wears a three-piece suit and his enemies are suicide bombers and head-chopping maniacs. We call them Al-Qaeda in Iraq, the enemy, in the last war one year ago. In 2011, they were still the bad guys on the eastern side of that line. Now they're moderate rebel heroes because Israel hates the Shiites more? Are you crazy? And that was how, this is why Tulsi Gabbard was good on Syria. It's not that she's a dove. She's a hawk on Al-Qaeda. She wants to fight Al-Qaeda from now on. But fight for Al-Qaeda? What the fuck? So, it, oh, just trust me on this. I wrote a book about it. <laughs> Obama's policy in Syria, it wasn't just bad and, you know, aggressive and violent. It was batshit insane what they were doing in Syria. And so then the, in the Clone Wars, they make an arc about it where, yep, they're batshit insane on it, too. And when all it would have been a perfect part of, a st of the story to show Obi-Wan and Anakin, who essentially as Robert Gates would say, are looking at war through a soda straw and they don't understand the consequences of what they're doing. And in fact, look at the real world consequences of what happened. This, was, this story arc was like 2012-13. Well, in, 2000, in, in June of 2013, uh, the, essentially the Iraqi-dominated faction of al-Nusra broke off and seized the entire eastern half of Syria and declared the Islamic State. And then one year later, they rolled in and conquered all of Western Iraq and declared the caliphate with this guy Baghdadi, who might as well have been bin Laden himself up on the balcony like Mussolini, declaring his new dictatorship and led to a whole new Iraq War III to goddamn destroy the ISIS caliphate again. That was the consequences for real of this bullshit fantasy of we're helping these moderate rebels against their evil dictator. And I was pissed at the time. Like, man, I really like Star Wars. I really regret that these people are just now, this story's being written by goddamn Democrats who don't see the irony in this shit at all. They don't even get their own story that they're trying to tell, you know? All right, so before we take a look at how the Jedi fucked up, let's, let's conclude the chess pieces that um, Palpatine played. So one is he overtook the finances so that he could print the money. He also created a false threat of an army that he was controlling, which was the uh, droid army. The droid army, mm -hmm. and that there was a threat so bad, he got them. The next one, and this is that famous scene where uh, uh, Natalie Portman goes, "This is the way democracy dies with everyone clapping," because they give him emergency powers. Which, of course, the language of the emergency powers is everything that you and I would know. Hey, um, this is only temporary. 
and I can't wait to return it. Like, right. you know, what I mean? it's everything that you would expect. And it's because of the security th- threat. And mm-hmm. so we're going to take care of this and then I'm going to return the power. And so he immediately takes the emergency powers that are given to him and he uses it to fund the clone army, which he then creates. And no, then, which he had already created right. for the last 10 years. It was there, but now he needed an excuse that, you know, to actually say why it was legitimate. And then finally, uh, once the clone army is successful, he basically takes away his own threat, which was the, which was the... Right. And in fact, so, so the thunderous applause line actually comes not from episode two when he declares it's, and, and in fact, this is important too, that they have Jar Jar Binks, who's the well-meaning fool is the one who proposes the emergency powers. And in fact, they even do a thing like, oh, but what representative would be brave enough to introduce (laughs) emergency powers and manipulate him into doing it? So he thinks he's being a hero. Oh, I propose we give emergency powers to the chancellor. And that's how he really becomes a dictator. And then as you say, he promises to put the power down later and whatever, which is the hilarious hoax there. Um, But then, um, yeah, fuck, I lost my train of thought. What was I gonna say? Uh, that they tricked him into giving the emergency powers. Oh, yeah, but then, so the line about the thunderous applause is actually comes from episode three, and that's where the third threat is, where he set the Jedi up to do a coup d'etat against him. He let Anakin know, yeah, you better tell Sam Jackson that I'm really the bad guy. And he sends Anakin back to the Jedi Temple to bring the Jedi to him. And then he's got it all, you know, set up, recorded, whatever. Oh, it's treason then. You're coming to overthrow the elected chancellor. And by the way, like, who the fuck are these Jedi Knights? They're sworn to protect the Republic, but nobody elected them. They're just the ones with these magical powers, and we trusted them because they've been nice so far. But what right did they have to arrest the elected chancellor of the Republic? No more right than... Joe Biden has to arrest the head Republican in the Senate right now, right? He's immune from that kind of thing. How can the Jedi, how dare the Jedi Knights come and tell the Chancellor he's under arrest? So then he goes in front of the Senate and he goes, oh, look what they did to me. They fucked my face up with their evil powers and whatever. They left me scarred and deformed, but my resolve has never been stronger. And now we're going to reorganize this thing once and for all into the empire and i'm gonna be the president for life and that's and all the jedi are now either dead or on the run and they're all officially the enemies of the republic or the empire etc so that's the third crisis that he created for himself oh my god can you believe an attempted coup d'etat and then that becomes his excuse and then by the way in episode four and this is, seriously, this radicalized my politics in the first place when I was just a really little kid. I swear I remember being like six years old and asking my mom, what's a Senate? And she said something like you would explain to a six-year-old as best you could about like, well, you know, people kind of have, they pick one of their group and they send them to make the laws, you know, that kind of thing. And then I said, well, so then what does it mean then that the emperor has dissolved the Senate permanently? Oh, well, it means he's a bad guy, evil dictator, and it means he has Darth Vader to kill anyone who tries to stop him. And so now he can do whatever he wants, right? And then, so that comes from now, Princess Leia is not secretly controlled by the Sith, and she's not the droid army, a fake threat. Princess Leia and her rebellion is some legit shit trying to overthrow this horrible thing that happened. The Emperor uses their crisis just the same. 
the Senate, even after he declares himself dictator in episode three, the Senate remains for another 20 years. It's not until the open rebellion of Princess Leia and the fight, you know, the first few battles that they win. And then the uh, Moff Tarkin, remember, informs the group at the table, I've just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Senate permanently, that finally the last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. So whether it's a put-on, in other words, like, whether the CIA created that hurricane to drown New Orleans or whether the weather does those things sometimes, they're going to exploit that crisis and call out the army and seize guns anyway because it's a chance to do so. So All it's right, the same so kind of thing. Before we pivot to where... I was being facetious about the hurricane. <laughs> no, I'm Jewish. We control the weather. Everyone knows that. Um, before we transition to where the Jedi's fucked up, any other like insights into Palpatine's tricks, the propaganda, the language he used, or other chess pieces he played in order to kind of corrupt and take over government? No, I mean, I think we pretty much covered it. It's essentially, you know, he, again, it's Yoda that brings the stormtroopers into battle. It's doing evil in the name of virtue. And then, so then it makes sense by the time you see Alec Guinness's regret when he's old Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, man, we really blew it, you know? <laughs> they, they were the ones the as you put it, uh, you introduced the thing well, Robbie, in the beginning, that the Sith Lord could not, like, somehow just build up this power and somehow assault the Republic and destroy it and take it over. He had to sneakily, you know, skull and bones his way in there, and, you know, make his secret alliances and his deals. And then, by the way, like, you know, he doesn't always win, Right, like in, in episode one, he wasn't planning on Natalie Portman and the Gungans rising up and doing this thing and not signing the treaty with the Trade Federation, whatever. But whatever, he still got elected chancellor and he's still going to make the best of a bad situation. So he's not all powerful, but he is, you know, wise and evil. And look, there's such a thing as conspiracy. If you think about just, you know, covert, you know, uh, intelligence agencies, that's their job, like the covert action side of them is to get away with getting people to do things that they don't want to do or, or, you know, get them to do things that they think is to benefit one thing when really it's to benefit something else or whatever. So there are people who are professionals at that in the world. And there are people who can plot and scheme and play chess real well and, and figure out how to get people to do the wrong thing by thinking it's the right thing. You know, and so really like, uh, you know, the whole thing is really just a clumsy analogy for force itself. It's not the force, it's force. You know, Yoda says the light side of force is knowledge and to defend, but never to attack. And then so, but what's the dark side is anger, force and aggression. And so he's not saying everybody's got to be a pacifist. Here's your lightsaber. He's just saying you only use it in self-defense or the defense of other innocent life. You don't use it to bully and control and initiate aggression onto other people. It's the light side and dark side of force, the good and the bad of violence in the world. And so then, you know, how do you know the good side from the bad? Well, be true to yourself. Come on, man. You know what's right and wrong. All right. So before we transition and we talk about where the Jedi fucked up, let's plug. Let's look right in the camera for the people at home. Check out Scott Horton's newest book, Hotter Than the Sun, and also your delicious hot sauce. It's really good. That pays tribute. Tennessee Hot Sauce Company makes it. There you go. And how do people get it? They go to TennesseeHotSauce.com. 
Company.com or something. Search it. Scott Harden's hotter than the sun hot sauce. What happens is you subscribe to their like uh, bi-monthly hot sauce kit and you get some hotter than the sun as like a bonus. And, hotter and than the sun their is stuff it. is great. I mean, in fact, as long as I'm plugging it, yeah. man, they got pineapple habanero and, and garlic habanero and they got the uh, poblano pepper one and... I think, is that the green pepper one that, like, you put on your, like, and Mexican plug the book, plug the oh, book, so Harder Than The Sun. The book is a collection of interviews, 35 of them or something, um, on all aspects of nuclear weapons. It's um, the threat of nuclear war between the major powers, the nuclear weapons industrial complex, which is no less corrupt than any other industrial complex you ever heard of. Hey, Senator. I got a sale on H-bombs. You got to see about these H-bombs. No different than getting rid of fighter jets or any other inventory in, in the way those economics are set up. It's insane. And then we do the nuclear programs of all the rogue states. So Iraq, Iran, Syria, Israel, North Korea, and India and Pakistan. And... Um, and then Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and I got really good interviews on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, including Anthony Weller, the son of George Weller, who was the first American journalist in Nagasaki and wrote all that up. It's incredible stuff. And then at the end is all the nuclear weapons activists, the Catholic nuns who go to prison for decades for breaking into naval facilities and banging on warheads. Oh, trying to get rid of them? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, Elizabeth McAllister and so you Sounds may like have a fun heard video of, game, Crazy Nuns. Well, you guys may <laughs> have heard of, of um, Phil and, and Daniel Berrigan, were the famous anti-war priests of the Vietnam War era. And Daniel Berrigan, well, I guess these are kind of you know socialist worker type priests, uh, you know, and and you know Catholic worker uh, type priests. So this priest Daniel Berrigan was actually married to this nun Elizabeth McAllister, and I think she stopped being a nun. Um, but anyway, um, and they have a wonderful daughter named Frida Berrigan, who's also a great anti-nuclear activist. Um, but, but the two of them, Daniel Berrigan, I think Phil Berrigan, the uncle, and Daniel Berrigan and Elizabeth McAllister together, they went to prison for something like 75 years combined throughout their lives over and over again. And all they do is break into nuclear facilities and pour blood on a hydrogen bomb. That's pretty cool. like if Jesus was here, he wouldn't approve this. <laughs> and they're like, 20 years. Right. So let's home stretch it. Let's do uh, let's do maybe five or ten more minutes. Let's talk about where the Jedi fucked up. Okay. And let's make the starting point. So Liam Neeson's character, who's well-revered by the Jedi, and then after his death continues to be well-revered, mm -hmm. it sounds to me like he kind of made the biggest strategic blunders and kind of walked away from like, the like the, the traditional rules of the Jedi in the most aggressive fashion that also created the biggest fuck-ups. Well, right. I mean, that is a huge part of it, right? So I guess the way that they tell the story is the Jedi find any Force-born children in the galaxy easily, and they go and get them while they're infants still, and they never miss their parents, and it's easy kind of clean break, brainwash them to be these selfless little monk-type people from the time they're little children, and then it's fine. But then this kid, not only is he already 11 or 9 or whatever it is when they find him, but he's a slave. And, you know, he's got all this bad time. And, the, and as part of the story, and again, they don't develop this very well. It's, you know, if you think about it, it's all there and whatever. But 
they're really showing that the Jedi Knights are totally neglectful of this kid once they do take him on. That they don't see the priority and we better go buy his mom and put her in an apartment in a nice part of Corazon and let him know that she's always safe and nearby and whatever because he's got a thing about that. They'd leave her in slavery on the edge of the galaxy and don't give a damn and tell him, don't ever think about her again. You're not supposed to be attached to things. Jeez, <coughs> you tell a nine-year-old kid that about his mom, that's not going to stick and it doesn't, right? And then, um, and see... They shouldn't even have Liam Neeson in it. It should have been Obi-Wan Kenobi that finds the kid. And Obi-Wan is still very young. And Obi-Wan can't really be a father to him. He can only kind of be an older brother. And then also, instead of being like a total goddamn square, Obi-Wan should also, as he said to, to uh, Yoda later, was I any different when I was younger? Well, yeah, apparently. But they should have made it where Obi-Wan was reckless as hell. And then Obi-Wan, maybe there's a Qui-Gon in there somewhere, and he gets killed, and Obi-Wan has the responsibility. Maybe he just found the kid, but he didn't know he was going to have to train him, but now he ends up training, something like that. But it should have been Obi-Wan's project there in the beginning, as far as that goes, to, to show how he was brought in and to, to develop their relationship better. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Yoda and all them say, geez, I don't know if we should do this. And then like, oh, it's Qui-Gon's dying wish, so I guess we have to, I, I guess, as part of that. And then, I guess, you know, they don't do a good job of keeping him. They send him to work, and he's still a kid. And this is part of it, too, is like, you know, even in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka's like 11, and they're like, okay, Commander, lead us into fucking battle. And like, we're killing these people and denying them independence. Wow, okay. Uh, they don't really address that too much, but so that's saying, part of it. So he's all shell-shocked and screwed up by the time uh, of episode three. You know, he's killed a million people already. So, in your opinion, the Jedi kind of like a, a lacked a fundamental morality. <laughs> there was like a little bit of a compassion. Well, they had a conflict to, of interest, Robbie. Right? right? Like they're they're committed to the light and to peace and to diplomacy and to problem solving and to nonviolence when possible or using violence in the most limited way to defuse worse violence or whatever. But then they've decided that that logically means that they are committed to this republic no matter what. So then when the chancellor arranges his silly little civil war, he goes, man, I'm going to need you guys help to prevent. And what's going on, right? It's not like Count Dooku and the droids are trying to conquer the republic. They're just trying to break away. And, oh, but Dooku's got a red sword now and is clearly a bad guy. So Yoda is convinced that there's just no question that the, the warrior monks must now become generals and lead this massive army in order to prevent these essentially like outer but rim, it's a little odd more outlying like systems it. from leaving. He doesn't like it. Like when it first comes to him in the yeah. decision and he's like dark times ahead. Yeah, like yeah and at kinda, the end of episode two, he's like, man, this sucks that this war just started. But no, but he kind of gets the read on when he yeah. gets the approval of the clone army where he's like, I don't like this. Yeah. He, he kind of goes, all right, we're going to do it, but this is dark. Well, and it's sort of, it, it's kind of like the question of the American Civil War where we know why the southern states left, or certainly the original deep southern states left the Union when Lincoln was elected. But the question is, why would the North refuse to let them go? And why were they so determined to hold them in? And that was, it seemed to just go without saying. Oh, the Union? We're saving that. Okay. Um... 
and that was sort of the same thing here. And episode two begins with Palpatine going, Oh, Jedi Masters, I will not let this galaxy be split in two. And you can see the argument that, geez, if it is really severely split in two, and this confederacy of independent states, I mean systems, <clears throat> uh, is somehow able to solidify power in the galactic south, then there's going to continue to be worse violence back and forth from now on. So it's better to nip it in the bud and do the thing and live up to what George Washington wanted or whatever. And so they go on with the thing and that's their big mistake, right? They only understand it in the very last second that like, why are my clones shooting me in the back to death? Oh, I blew it. <laughs> All right. So any closing Star Wars remarks? If not, I'll give you the floor to hit the one joke that you missed. Yeah, my joke I missed. I hope people like it. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, on Star Wars, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's the basis. It's the first real basis of my radical libertarian politics, frankly, right? It's, and it's made to be as simple as can be. Blue lightsaber, Republic, good. Red lightsaber, Empire, bad. You know, before the dark times, before the Empire. That's a synonym, right? That's saying the same thing twice. He's being redundant. When the Empire came, that was when the dark times came. And, and honestly, like for our purposes, I kind of like the thing about outer space too, that it is far away. <coughs> Eurasia, you look at all, more than two million people killed or gotten killed by our government in just the last 20 years. That shit is literally 5,000 miles east of here. And so few of our population have any experience with it or have any interest or know anything about it. It's going on far away. You could live on Coruscant and think everybody's fine. And, and that's just the way things are. And, and I think there's a lot of that. You know, I do have a friend who told me one time he hated Star Wars so much because the way that they tell the story, I mean, it just is, it's silly, I guess, but it's impressive on people that unless your president is wearing a black cloak and shooting lightning out of his hands and going, ah, ha, 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 then that's not an empire. And people argue all the time about it. Because whether America's even an empire at all, we gotta argue about whether America's an empire at all before we can argue about whether it's time to finally end the damn thing after 80 years trying to dominate the entire planet. We gotta still argue about whether such a thing exists because she said, I thought we overthrow empires or something like that. And so there's a real dissonance there. Um, but I, you know, this is, I was raised on this day. I was just absolutely obsessed with Star Wars until I was like 11 years old. And then I switched to skateboarding. But, um, but I spent my entire childhood, you know, into that whole thing. And, and, and it's how I got interested in political power, as I said in the anecdote about the Senate, but just also just the nature of Darth Vader's power and all that. Like I... I see a lot of Ronald Reagan in that. You know what I mean? I see a lot of, um, I see a, a lot of uh, domination of people like in completely unwarranted fashion and, um, and just the, in the cops and the soldiers, in American militarism, you know, my whole life I've seen it. Um, you know, when I was a kid, and maybe, as I said, you know, and people have written about this. Tom Englehart wrote a great thing about this, about how Star Wars redeemed the warfare state. And God damn it, we only got our guys out of Vietnam like a year and a half ago, three, you know, two years ago. 
And already we got like war as heroism again. We didn't even have time to like meditate on our, you know, do our penance or any kind of thing. Um, I think there probably is something to that, although I was too young for all that. My first movie was Empire in 81 when I was four. But, uh, well, you had cool parents that they took you at four to see Star yeah. Wars. It was the neighbor lady that took me with, oh. with her two boys. That's a cool neighbor lady. And, uh, yeah, it was, man, it was something else. I she remember being terrified of that time. Because I could see that. <laughs> no, 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 that was later. Uh, let's get into uh, today's topics. This is what was going on in the news the co last couple days. Uh, so I'll introduce the topics, and then we'll spend a couple minutes. We'll break it down. So the first is um, the secret reason Paul Pelosi won't give his gay lover a work visa. <laughs> uh, why DHS refuses to answer for how homicidal, hammer-wielding maniacs are crossing our nation's border. <laughs> Historians, oh, this one's terrible. <laughs> Historians ask, what shade of black people are the realest Jews? <laughs> and which African-Americans are most at risk for Jewish extortion? All right. Here were the other topics. What other news topics did you guys want to get into? Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Oh. Now, do you think, now here, let, let me ask you this. Do you think Paul Pelosi was even hospitalized for damage because he was hit with the hammer or because his asshole wasn't right? Maybe his butthole. I think it was his butthole. Yeah. No, I, I think that's what they're covering up. And I think there's some child in a third world country that woke up without an asshole in the last couple days. <laughs> Just woke up and like, I swear, I had a perfectly good asshole. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. True patriots left fucking in America. Thank you. There's like ten, and he's fucking one of them. All right. What? What other? Uh, what other? What other news topics you guys got? Kanye back, which is interesting because you know Kanye actually he bitched out. Kanye bitched out. I'm gonna be, and it's funny the way he bitched out because for for a minute there he was like, "Fuck you, you're not gonna censor me. I'm worth a billion dollars. I'm the most successful black man that ever lived. You can go fuck yourselves." And I actually think it's not it's not so much that he was trolling, but he was like he was kind of being gangster where he was like, "You're telling me not to do this, so fuck you. I'm gonna do it because that's how successful I am." And I'm going to showcase the fact that people can hit a certain level. I think he was actually trying to be a model to other black people where it's like, you don't have to be in the system. You can tell these people to go fuck themselves and you don't have to live by their rules. Yeah. And then he lost a billion dollars. <laughs> and then he lost a billion dollars and he called up the first Jew lawyer he could find. And he went, how can I get those billion dollars back? And the Jew lawyer was like, I got you here. You got to go that somebody fucked up your meds. That's what you got to do. And so now he's playing some card, which is weird that there was like a guy who, by the way, looks freakishly like me. <laughs> who was like a Canadian fucking uh, like uh, 
special ops personal trainer that was also threatening him to put him back into a mental asylum. So he, he's, he's turned away from it. Okay, I'm not shitting on the Jews. I was off my meds. So he kind of bitched out. Um, no, I'm going to be like, I, I, like sometimes I get so mad at other Jewish people, I actually wonder, am I anti-Semitic? <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I, I do wonder, like, I grew up very religious, and I'm like, maybe I'm more angry about my upbringing than I, like, let on. You know what I mean? Like, I get introspective. I'm like, maybe I am mad about this. Um, but I find the fucking, it, it, the anti-def, it's like, you're making anti-Semitism real. Like, you really, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a week ago, if people were being anti-Semitic, they were being lunatics, and they were being stupid. Now, you just made it a reality where through complaining and essentially bullying, where you said, hey, we're more powerful in this culture than you are, if you don't play our games, you're not gonna be able to be a star basketball player, you're not gonna be able to sell merchandise, and they got their way. Uh, that scares me, because I feel like the actions of the Anti-Defamation League and their Jewish whining <laughs> has made anti-Semitism uh, real. I, yeah, well, it comes from a racist place from you, but when I say... <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 fun when I say it. 